sure it's enough. Great. It's enough to be like, oh, maybe. That's all they count. Did you see that video clip that was running around on Twitter recently? Well, I guess you didn't because you know, uh, you're not on Twitter, are you? It was a really good scene of the best scene ever put to film. And it was the scene where Kristen Stewart walks into the classroom and uh, Edward sees her for the first time. And he's just like... <laughs> he throws up? <laughs> he's about to throw up in his mouth because there's like... A gust of air just blowing right. Oh, really? I've never her. seen this movie. It yeah, should have been. It should have been when Del Boy falls through the bar. Oh fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't it funny when the guy was suddenly not vertical anymore? It's a, it's a great, it's great physical yeah. comedy. <laughs> Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast, <laughs> presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. I am and your host, and, <laughs> and and only fools and horses. Straight from Peckham. I am uh, your host, Jonathan Foster, and with me today is oh my adopted son oh he's finally back he's finally come back home that little runt <laughs> yeah i ran away um it's phil you know, warmer inside the house <laughs> ran away adopted a dog yeah exactly yeah. where you been phil the return of the phil um i've been here just you know we keep you you know last time i was working and the time before that i hadn't seen the movie uh blame blame me yeah it I seemed like John. he was blaming me here yeah it's a little bit deflecting you're deflecting. No, I told you I didn't want after the Crow episode. I didn't want to make a habit of uh, talking about movies I hadn't seen. Yeah, I didn't want enough. to do Irishman. And, Doesn't look good. Yeah, it's a bad look, bro. Yeah, it's a bad look. But I, had, I had seen the Joker, but I'm kind of glad I avoided that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a wise one to. Because yeah. I like the movie and I yeah, didn't want to end up defending well. it. All boys talking about but, yeah. uh, the Joker. Did you listen to that episode? Um, as Ari said. I need to start delegating, so next time I have to go on an Intel form, yeah. it's gonna be you that has <laughs> to do it, because that was a great idea. I never thought about, I need to delegate on this podcast. Yeah, it just will rotate. <laughs> what, so you don't do one? Is that the idea? Oh, no, delegate? just uh, I don't go research. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't go to Reddit bullshit. and let you fucking oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Avoid the Intel stuff. Yeah. Well, we had a very fun week this week at the Prince Charles Cinema. And things are about to get even more fun it's in Christmas. just a couple of days. Holidays are coming. Holidays are coming. coming. It's Kevin Smith turning up. Kevin Smith is, is he apparently uh, yeah, rocking up soon. So um, it's going to be fun Rob's going to be like, I don't like your movies, but I like you. Oh, I respect <laughs> yeah. him a lot. I do like his movies. <laughs> he's just not great. He's, but he's good. He's, he's very good. You should cut that like, out. No, yeah. Well, I actually just forgot that we didn't even introduce that Rob is here today with oh, us no. again. Oh, Robert yeah. Smith of the Cure is back again, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's a greatest hits tour. Schedule touring. <laughs> yeah. Promoting a new album. Yeah. The album's going to be huge. Whale sound. How you been? Yeah, I've been all right, I guess. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. These updates are always difficult. Been, mm-hmm. been good, you know. You just did. same old, same old. He same discovered old, hair old. gel and spent the last time yeah. we saw him. Yeah, I've yeah. discovered hair gel. I've just been looking, I've been Googling Willem Dafoe and to live and die in LA too much. That's and now true. I'm mm. just like, we worked a double the other day and that's all he was doing. Really? Yeah. And you're like, I, no, how about this Willem Dafoe? No, this, no, is, this Willem Dafoe. This is probably the most frequent <laughs> argument I have with everyone at work about whether or not Willem Dafoe is hot. I'm obviously in the... Pro. I'm very pro <laughs> Willem Dafoe. I'm, Excessively, some some would say, but beauty mm-hmm. isn't in the eye of the beholder, you know. Art is subjective, and he's a weird looking guy. He is yeah. weird looking, but that's what's so damn sexy. What's his weirdest looking role? Oh, the fucking oh, Wild yeah. Heart, yeah, Wild Wild Heart, Heart right? of course, the fucking Bobby Peru. Yeah. Is he good looking in that? Yeah, I think so. I actually think he is, despite <laughs> the dentures. He's despite he's the... got a certain, you know, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just the way it's. I'm not sure anyone's ever used Johnny Silkwa and uh, William Defoe in the same sentence, but I mean, Get maybe. Used to it. But, you know, hey, there's a first for everything, and you heard it here. Hello. You Smith. heard it here first. I would liken you to a pioneer. Yeah. So would I, you know. Well, we want to hear what other people have to say. And uh, I like to do that from time to time. And uh, what's it called? It's called user feedback. Hey, hey, hey. Today in the user feedback segment, I've decided to do uh, a little bit of a tweet to set up people to get some <laughs> to get some user get feedback. Get the conversation because going. This is the thirtieth episode of this podcast, oh, which is pretty yeah. intense. It's, it's as going, old John. as me now, um, but not really. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah. Just thanks to everyone who's uh, been listening to us. And I did a little tweet asking what's been people's favorite moments favorite episodes whatever and uh we got a few little tweets so that was kind of nice uh our pal malcolm said uh the one uh where that useless dolt messages in explaining how to pronounce bros or bros Bro. uh, and somehow manages to keep that joke going up to today and i'm still not convinced what it is it's so still it's going still strong. going and it's, it's still going strong is it bros yeah i say bros. it's bros man and like bros before bros all right they, they <laughs> it call just, it it doesn't really make sense as to why it would be bros i mean i'm talking yeah. i'm actually very that's um, where i'm at that's on where the my outside but they this, call their fans sort of like brosette don't they <laughs> or brosettes brosettes oh shit Fuck, i've not seen Have i've seen not seen any of them ever i've not seen that film and i've never seen them to pronounce it and i asked them on twitter and they yeah. blanked me Rightfully but so. Also if but they, they wrote blanked. it down, you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> that's a problem uh, with Twitter. <laughs> yeah. You could probably put like an umlaut above the O to like highlight. <laughs> no, that's the reply is just an umlaut. Uh, like a German nightclub. Our pal Lee said, uh, I just love listening to the behind the scenes chatter about what makes the PCC such a unique, unique working cinema, such as Paul Thomas Anderson using it for daily screenings, mm-hmm. which was a little tidbit I released out. Um, into the ether the other day. Not during Phantom Thread, right? Yeah, but when he was making Phantom Thread, yeah, he um, came in a couple of times and used it as a, as a yeah, screener. I heard about which that. Which is kind of cool. Would have been mm-hmm. nice to be here for that. Yeah. I mean, I was here, but I didn't know until like it was kind of too late to really know. The Prince Child and the matter. ultimate go-to if you want to sound cool yeah. on like a first date. Yeah, man. Can I see coupled all the time and the guy's like oh i love this place i'm here all the time and i've never seen this person and i've worked it too uh, i've i've seen some great great ones where um there was one particular one where some guy was trying to impress this girl and he was he, I, I felt i thought he came across like a bit of a punisher <laughs> and he was trying to really uh, elaborate on how much film knowledge he had and um he started pointing at the tv and the the prince charles they live advert was on and he was like oh yeah oh yeah oh that film have you seen that film that film's amazing and then and then forgot what it was called and then started stumbling over himself going like yeah it's um uh uh you know it's um something live something live (laughs) obey and I was just like they live and he was like yeah they live yeah great film yeah John Carpenter great film (laughs) honestly like 
Hey man, oh, I'm not gonna hate on this guy because yeah. my mind works like this sometimes. No, Things I, that I, I should it. immediately it know. It's because I sat at the back while I was ushering as well, <laughs> and I saw him pointing at stuff while she was just kind of meekly sitting there, and I was like, "This guy's really so like this laying is, it on." Yeah. <laughs> the equivalent, equivalent of that meme where the guy's just like <laughs> in the girl's yeah. ear. Yeah, it, I, it, yeah, it came across like that. Whether or not, <laughs> the thing I about John Carpenter is, <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, the guy was fronting hard. Yeah, the guy Piper, he was using a lot of these things that he would have normally used <laughs> yeah. in a wrestling. Uh, promo you know but he just put it into the film you know John Carpenter just let him go for it yeah there exactly. you go that was full circle on that meme yeah um, our pal Aria I haven't heard from Aria in a while really enjoyed the episode with the projectionist personally I'd love to hear more technical behind the scenes chat uh, maybe even a discussion on screening rights though I know a lot uh, can't be talked about but maybe about NBA. historical issues that have been now resolve is that true can you not talk about ongoing screening rights eh, maybe it's just uh what they're saying is that like maybe we can't or don't want to reveal certain information about certain things which yeah. is kind of true sometimes i mean yeah. depending on you what don't want to like give away the the secret showing frozen exactly. no, nobody wants to know how that. we make up popcorn it just <laughs> is the way it is delicious <laughs> It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's good popcorn. Vegan too. It's great popcorn. But it is just it's just there. Yeah, yeah it's just there. Uh, uh, like a fridge in a river. That's uh that's a little bit for Lee if you want it behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. <laughs> popcorn just exists. Yeah. And uh some dude named Jamie uh. <laughs> may or may not be a projectionist here. Uh, said, I really enjoyed the bonus Good Burger episode that started all sing song. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? And end it all. Of, uh, I'm not really. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> OMG. <laughs> I had to pop some Lars von Trier on to cheer up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we should have him back. And apparently, that's everyone's favorite episode. Well, yeah, a lot of people Jamie, seem to like Jamie. Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Jamie's, I could sit there and hear, listen to Jamie talk. And apparently, after my last episode, he said the same about me. He said my voice was excessively sexy, which is the first time I think I've ever heard anyone say that about a Essex thing. But then he does tend to. He comes on strong. So, he does. Yeah. Um, you know. yeah, he'd made no... You know, and I love it, Jamie. Quip about his love for me, but he'd never mentioned my voice on this show, which yeah. is a shame. I don't know. That's all I'm I want. Sure he, you know, he always finds something. That's the be- Jamie sees the beauty in people, and mm. that's what's... We should bring him on for just a Christmas yeah. episode, just so he can rip apart all the movies. He hates <laughs> everything, you know, he just hates life. So. It'll just end up being him just talking about projection again, and yeah, yeah nothing else. Um, Ariane Anandita, some Whoever some lovely person that is. I don't know who that is, but said, uh, "What an honor and blessing to be part of the first twenty-five. I feel like a proud mom, but we've already settled for daughter." Fave up is a toss-up between Tamsins or Jamie's fave moment is mixing White Russians on air. What a special time to be alive! And I was just like, "Yeah, that is that was really fun." The White Russians. I'd like to do episode. one of these episodes drunk on White Russian. Yeah, well, we can just pretend that we didn't do a. Big Lebowski episode. Oh, okay. And do then it again. just do it again. I mean, we have that white Russian beer for drunk now, enough. And I'm not working. So like, yeah. You can just take a few shots of that. Or I can utilize my uh, Dudas priest uh, status and try to marry someone, <laughs> officiate a wedding, you know. <laughs> like Tommy. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff, man. Oh, yeah. So that was our user feedback, listener feedback segment. 
Uh, thanks again to everyone who's been listening for the last 30 episodes. It's been a lot of fun. Like I said, this is episode 30, which is insane. Um, but let's just move on to what we've got going on this week at the Prince Charles Cinema. From Friday, 29th of November. Can't believe it's almost December. It's not. It's almost 2020. Yeah, man. Um, but we're not doing anything asking you what what you've accomplished this year and all that. No, no. No one cares. Don't. Yeah, no one I don't cares. care. <laughs> um, Friday. <laughs> all I've accomplished oh. is being on like four episodes of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Friday, though, uh, we kind of mentioned it last week. It's uh, Jane Silent Bob's reboot. Kevin Smith's Snoochie Boochie film. Snoochie Boochie plays. All right, you motherfuckers. I know you're in there. Come out right now. Stop the motherfucking plan. Son of a bitch doesn't have a dick. He's got a fucking dick. He just got a tucked in. Identify yourselves, motherfuckers. I'm Jay, and this is my head will life mate, Silent Bob. <laughs> when Jay and Silent Bob discovered that a reboot of the Blunt Man and Chronic movie, a movie based on a comic book based on them, is being made, <laughs> Again. and they lose the... <laughs> And they lose uh, the right to use their own names after the company behind it takes out an injunction against them. They head off to Chronic Con in Hollywood to stop it. Along the way, they run into Jay's old girlfriend, Justice, played by Shannon Elizabeth. And Jay <laughs> discovers he has a daughter he never knew he had. One who forces Jay and Silent Bob at Knife Point to take her and her three friends with them to Hollywood so they can be extras in that movie. <laughs> uh, it's a reboot of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in which they found out a movie is being made based on a comic book based on them and head to Hollywood to stop it. Yeah. This movie takes on remakes, reboots, and sequels while simultaneously being all being three. One. Yeah. Hmm. And it's got a lot of cameos. A shit ton mm. of cameos. Everyone who'd ever been in a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. Movie. I like the, uh, the getting Val Kilmer to play. Silent Bob. Yeah. Given, <laughs> you know, the whole. That he can't talk. Yeah. And that he would not know Batman. Oh yeah, so that yeah I suppose sense. that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd cry and shame that. So it's good to see him back on the, yeah. the big silver screen once yeah. again. It's uh, lots of people in this. Yeah. Chris Jericho's in this. Is it? Yes. Yeah. And I can't down. wait. Fucking <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is in it. Is he? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Damon and Affleck. Nice to have Affleck back mm-hmm. in this movie. Red Man and uh, Red Man. Method Man. Method Man. To be honest, that was the best part of the trailer. That was the best part. I, I can't, can't wait, wait for that bit. Yeah. And Tommy Chong showing up. At the yeah. End. Phil, you're a big fan of Kevin Smith, right? I am. Yeah, we're good friends. We're good, good friends. Good, good pals. <laughs> we, we, we met one here at the Prince Charles <laughs> about this time last year. Yeah. I'm about to do it again in a couple of days. Yeah. So Kevin Smith comes this Thursday, so the day after this episode drops. But, you know, you, you can't come to that listener because it's sold out. It's sold out. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a midnight show without Q&A that they can come to. Yeah, And then we'll be showing that. it for, what, the two weeks or just a week? We'll be on for a week. From Friday, and then Christmas the 29th, and Christmas takes over. Yeah, but uh, you might be able to catch it um, in a matinee screening, depending on how it does the next week. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's shown for a whole week. Come check it out. How much we, promised, we haven't seen it? Yeah, we haven't seen it, so uh, we'll check it out and we will talk about it eventually because we have ideas for things. We do. Um, so yeah, <laughs> keep an eye out. Uh, also on Friday, 
We got National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, one of the best comedy Christmas films ever made. Mm. Um, not, and you get a beer that. with the ticket. Does John Landis do that one? Uh, mm. No, that uh, I don't remember who directs that one. But I mean, that it, seems to be most people's Reitman? favorite uh, vacation film. Yeah. It's the third vacation film. Yeah. Shout out Dusty. <laughs> Shout out Dusty. Goodbye. Hello. <laughs> I think I've only seen uh, Animal House of uh, of all those National, National Lampoon, Lampoon stuff. Films. Yeah, uh, there's so many. But it's, it's one, a good one. thing. It's kind of like Carry On, isn't it? No, or, like the American. Yeah, version. yeah, exactly. When they had yeah. like Caddyshack and stuff, but National What's Lampoon. Right, Na- yeah, but National Lampoon quickly disbanded, and then it just became a, a name you could buy and put on your movie. So we could. You, you could, could have like National Lampoon's Pod Charles. Cinecast. We could, yeah, probably. Let's get on it. Some of them that's true. Well. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we'll do turn us into a late it, night classic. Did, you know? did it start as like? Was it like a college? In the magazine, magazine or or the yeah. Harvard Lampoon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. It, and then it uh, became national, and it was sort of like a prototypical Mad magazine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say. Yeah, and then it was, like it was just a collective of artists, and then they were like, "Let's put on a show." And it was a National Lampoon radio show, and then yeah. it went to stage, and then they started making movies. Oh, and, and then, like, and then loads of people started ODing and dying, and yeah, but loads of people who came from there like Harold Ramoth and John Landis yeah and, uh, is that, is, but it seems like there's a big Mar- crossover between SNL and yeah yeah. Yeah. Just that, yeah those group you of comedians in the some 70s. of those guys from the Lampoon and then some of the guys from uh, like uh, Chicago uh, what, Groundlings the Groundlings yeah and all that so they would all kind of mix together yeah but yeah that's good a good fun. one come check it out Friday night you get a free beer with your ticket Saturday uh, Shop Around the Corner is playing if you like You Got Mel I've only seen you from now. This is the original original. with uh, James Stewart. Is this the book bookshops? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember my mum forced me to watch that as a kid. I saw it here. Is that right? It's fine. I hear Sleepless in Seattle is better of the two. Yeah. Which one? Sorry. Sleepless in uh, Seattle. Oh yeah, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan again. Yeah. And then there's uh, the OG when Harry met Sally. Harry (laughs) met Sally. Um. Also on Saturday, 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, last show of 70 millimeter of the year. And it's back in January, so don't worry, (laughs) folks. It's never going so long. Uh, And then Sunday, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. We've got Muppet's Christmas Carol showing. We've got It's a Wonderful Life showing. We've got Die Hard on 70 millimeter. You should see the smile on Rob's face. He can't oh, wait. To be fair, actually, I love every single film you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's more great. like the wider ramifications. It's the, the same Christmas three, four season. films every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, keep an eye out, ladies and gents. Um, these films we will try to talk about a little bit as we go on the yeah, next few weeks. Yeah, we haven't figured out. We haven't whether we do it week by week or we just do a big one off Christmas. Or, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out. I think we're going to split a few. A few could die hard we'll figure it's out. It's an own episode. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll happily it. talk about this wonderful life. I love that film. Oh, really? good. Thank cool. God. I love yeah. that movie. That a lot of people so, fucking. So damn good. A lot yeah. of contrarians do work here. And yeah. But shit on like, it, and also, they have no great. heart. No heart, no heart. <laughs> a lot of people your do like is, to hate on that. Your soul is black. And Monday, well, this is my pick of the week. My God, come see films on Monday. It's a Christmas story. American classic. Dusty's like, been on me to watch they, it. I've never seen it. You should. I'm going to come in on 35 millimeter as well. I'm going to come and in and watch it. It's a film we show in America 24 seven on TBS nonstop from Christmas Eve through Christmas day for a 24 hour block. <laughs> Is that like legitimate? Back, 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 Is that back. legitimate? Yeah. It's so like, or, the, or one are, you of, just, are you making like a sort of, it seems that way or is oh, that no, it's true. what happens? It's actually true. Yeah. It's wow. been like that for years as well. So it's like a, a Christmas tradition in America. It's one 
the greatest Christmas films. Okay. And it's so American. It's so wholesome. <laughs> like, it's so good. I love it. I introduced my wife to it and she loved it. Um, yeah. And then also on Monday night, right after in the upstairs screen, same screen, Hook. Oh, Hook. Oh, I love Hook. Hook is an underrated. Oh, it that. is the such classic. an underrated film. It's such a great sweet movie. I know a lot of people hate that film and even Spielberg himself hates it. Oh, well, but fuck it's, so, <laughs> even it's know so good. I've seen it so many times and I, I, know, I, I know it's not the greatest, but I love it. No, it rose. It. it rose. It's so good. Rufio. Yeah, it's Rufio. Yeah, Rufio. So cool. And I always remember thinking I was awesome for being able to spot when he would voice an animated character mm, in like, yeah. the cartoons. Like yeah. American Dragon and stuff you like that. It, yeah, yeah, I'll be like that voice is and and um, what's his name? Zuko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How? Yeah, great, yeah. Great voice actor. Dante Basco is awesome, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's one of Robin Williams' best roles because yeah. I think it's he's like playing for a him, child. Yeah. he's like the most un-Robin Williams ever. Which is, I mean, it's not true. There's a couple of roles he's had, but I those are my favorite Robin Williams roles where he's not playing like the genie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because like that's, that's what I feel like ends up being a lot of his roles. He's just like making a lot of dumb noises and goofy voices. Just doing his yeah, shit. which yeah, is yeah. great. He's it's always like Good fun. Morning Vietnam. And- but like he's such an asshole dad and Hook. I love it. Yeah, for the first half, you did. <laughs> he's such a dick. Me after, you know. But he, he, finds, he finds himself again. Kill yeah, the lawyer. Beautiful. <laughs> no, I love it. It's my favorite Peter Pan like adaptation. Like yeah, any definitely. version of that. And it's got a great cameo from uh, Phil Collins. Yeah, does it? He had one of my favorite is lines. He one of the pirates or something. No, no, no. He's um when they're like in London in like the real world. Yeah, and um, he's talking with the old man who used to be a lost boy, and the old does man's he dump like him by facts. No, <laughs> the old man's like uh, uh the guy who like lost his marble. Oh uh, yeah, the guy's yeah, like uh, oh I've learned how to fly, and for Colin just said yeah well one done. <laughs> yeah, is he one I, of the police officers? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's right. such a crazy like yeah, deep line to just yeah. throw in. There's a lot of really cool cameos in that film though. Um, Dustin Hoffman. There's well, Dustin Hoffman's there hook, yeah. but um, there's Glenn uh, Close. Isn't Glenn she a Close pirate? is a pirate who gets yeah. put in the boo boo box. Oh, cool. David right. Crosby is a pirate who's just <laughs> like just off his rocker. David um, Crosby, you're a musician. There's uh, there's uh, on the bridge at the end of the film when Toodles gets his marbles back. Yeah, and yeah. he finds his hat. He lost him good. He, he goes. <laughs> he lost him good. He sure did. Yeah. And uh, he goes flying. Out around like Big Ben and yeah. over over Westminster Bridge, there's a couple there kissing on the bridge, and they go flying up in the air. And that's George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. No shit, kissing. yeah, George uh, Carrie Fisher. That's kind of horrible, isn't it? <laughs> Carrie Fisher, like <laughs> you can't see him really. You can barely, you just see two people. George Lucas kissing. Carrie Fisher yeah. wrote Hook, or um, she was a script doctor on Hook, and like oh. made it what it was. Mm. She like rewrote loads of Hollywood script, like uncredited and. Yeah, she had like a whole secret career, like a great writer. That's no one cool. really knew. Sounds like someone just destroyed our bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's finish yeah, up this week. On. It's uh, Tuesday. Trade in places. A matinee screening. Come see it. It's right, also David. screening on um, on yeah. uh, New Year's Eve. Yeah. And Die Hard 2 on 35mm. Die Harder. I Die used harder. To, as a child, I used to prefer that one to Die mm-hmm. Hard, which yeah. I now recognize is, you know, wrong. It's but not bad, though. No, it's not. I, I used, I, I used to think too. it was so cool when he like turns yeah. the light on yeah. and throws it into the gas trail, and I was like, also, yeah, that's, that's "Shout it. out for Die Hard with a Vengeance." That's great. As yeah, well. that Die is Hard. also Die Hard with a Vengeance, and you can definitely confirmation to be had. Yeah, whether it's as good or better than the wait third with one. a Vengeance. Yeah. That's the, the lot, third, that's third one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with yeah. Jeremy Irons. 
And Those are the only three. <laughs> I, well, I almost said last one, but I kind of yeah, it is. It as is, far yeah. as I'm concerned, <laughs> it's the last, the last one. one. Die Hard Two is great. It's, just, so it's, it's exactly ends. the same thing, but it's much yeah. great. Well, speaking of Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, that has Samuel L. Jackson in it, but he's also in a movie on Thursday night called Long Kiss Goodnight, oh, um, which is uh, with Gina Davis, and it's directed by uh, Rennie Harlan. Oh. And then also on Thursday, <laughs> the last screening of Tommy Wiseau's The Room before yeah, February when he's here in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you guys ready? You guys ready? So it's a good week. Good fun stuff. It's but like a um, weird week. It's one of those weeks you look at the listing boards, you're like, fuck, I work at a weird place. Yeah, it's all over the place, well, all over the shop. No, just this coming. Oh, yeah. Christmas, Christmas at the Prince Charles Cinema, especially the first couple of weeks before it you know, just ends up being the same few films over and over. It's so ridiculous. It's really fun. End of November is always strange because I feel like Paul tries to squeeze in his own little personal sort of like Christmas films. Mm-hmm. For instance, the French Connection, which I watched last night, he was like, "Yes, Christmas film." I was like, "Is it?" Isn't I hadn't seen it before. It? Um, no, no, it's not. But Gene Hackman is in a Santa suit when we he first is. see him. So, and like Paul was like, "That counts." No, it doesn't. <laughs> hey man, but he was like, you know, like so. He always puts on these weird ones yeah. just before Christmas. There's a few one off, really good one off Christmas. It counts. Mm. I, I think Tokyo Godfather should have been right in there in December because that is a really beautiful Christmas film. I think. Well, it got it got in there. Yeah, I, I know. It's just November. No one wants to watch Christmas films in November. <laughs> yeah, there's something else uh, playing this week. And that's the reason why Mr. Robert Smith is on. Would you want to come talk to us about Mr. Robert Smith? Uh, yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. I guess a Christmas film. It's set during Christmas. It's certainly yeah. not very festive. No, it's just through and through a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, I guess. If it's if it's set in Christmas, if someone wears a Santa suit, if there's Christmas lights or Christmas trees. <laughs> there's no Christmas. There's, there's a, a lot Christmas of Christmas film. lights. There's I'm not sure if there's a Santa in it, though. There's no Santa, but there's a tree or fairy lights in every single scene. Yeah. and um, But no Christmas music. That's different. Is there not? No. Nope. Yeah, the music's pretty intense. Though. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Classic Kubrick. Which yeah. is Christian-y, so it's... Yeah. <laughs> when you got movies like Tom Cruise in them, you can't lose. I have seen one or two things in my life, but never anything like this. You know there is no way on earth you're going to leave here tonight without taking it with you.
Stanley Kubrick's eyes wide shut. It's his daring last film, and it's many things. It's a compelling psychosexual journey, a haunting dreamscape. It's not an erotic Riveting <laughs> tale of suspense. A major milestone in the careers of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kimmon. And Roger Ebert called it a worthy final chapter in a great director's career. I would say so. Yeah, yeah the film too. follows the sexually charged adventures of Dr. Bill Harford. He's played by Tom Cruise, who is shocked when his wife, Alice, Nicole Kidman, reveals that she had a contemplated an affair a year earlier. He embarks on a night-long adventure during which he infiltrates a massive masked orgy of an unnamed secret society that we now know as Jeffrey Epstein's house. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't do it. Changed my mind. Quite young enough, I don't think. (laughs) These are the more respectable Illuminati. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This film, it's uh, based on the 1926 novella Trum Novel, dream which story. is a dream story by Arthur Schn- uh, Schnitzler. Uh, sorry. Uh, the story is transferred from an early 20th century Vienna to 1990s New York City. You keep the mark, though. You keep the Venetian yeah. mark. I actually think Vienna would have been a very interesting place to set that film, actually. And I yeah. guess New York works, and even the, though it's definitely England. And but. the book is set during Mardi Gras. Is it? Yeah. And the film set during Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mardi, they, they do Mardi Gras in Vienna. That must be weird. Yeah. I think it origin- originated in Vienna, maybe, right. and then carried over to New Orleans. Yeah. Huh. Also, the character in the the novel novella, he was um he was a a Jewish man, which um they sort of used that a lot in the story. I think there was little elements to him being Jewish and stuff, like him getting picked on by people, and there was like uh oh, you know yeah. which translated over like the very funny enough. Yeah, that it was uh that they decided to change that because Kubrick was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like the, him being Jewish doesn't matter. But, um, you know, I'm going to pick on Tom Cruise in the same way that... A Scientologist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, um, there's those bits where those uh, frat boys knock yeah, over. I mean. Yeah, they, they just uh, push oh, him into the car. Yeah, yeah and they yeah, like that. use some homophobic slurs. words and slurs. Uh, well... That was, I think, kind of just Kubrick messing with Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise had a lot of like skeletons in the closet. Uh, Well, no, there's a lot of there was a lot of rumors about him like at the time, and I think Kubrick was just using stuff. It's just like, yeah, he would do some weird stuff with these guys. Him and Nicole Kidman. This is a good example. Yeah, Um, yeah. I I was reading about it and a a unrelated sort of quote from a friend of his, an actor who's like, he would never work with me because he didn't want to put me through that. Mm. Cause he like he know he knew well, like Kubrick would yeah he'd like could I like I'm gonna treat it like shit I'm gonna say things that aren't true I'm just gonna use whatever I can to get yeah. whatever I want and I'm not sure I'd very much like that you can yeah. see it in the yeah performance. Oh, yeah they're like hysterical almost yeah but they're like pushed to you know just complete exhaustion yeah I mean isn't there some I don't really know how substantiated this is, but isn't there something to do with their divorce? Isn't quite a lot of the tension, wasn't that? Maybe. During the film or something sort of came up. And Scientology. The divorce (laughs) could have possibly came based on a lot of the tension that was built up during the film. I've got a few little weird things I'll get into in a bit, but um, first you guys want to go into a little bit of backstory of how this film got made because it's kind of interesting how long ago that Kubrick actually had the idea to do this. Um, it was developed after he read Dream Story back in 1968, oh, shit. and he was looking for a project to follow up after 2001: A Space Odyssey. And he was interesting 
an adapt in the story. Um, and with the help of uh, the journalist uh, Jay Cox, he bought the filming rights to the novel. And then in, in the 1970s, he originally thought of casting Woody Allen to oh play the protagonist, yeah, which sure. would have fit in line with him being like Jewish. And funny enough, though, at the beginning, I was sitting there thinking how it felt very Woody Allen-esque. Yeah, the beginning of the sure. film, it had that sort of, because, you know, most, like, almost 99% of Woody Allen films are about, like, some guy and a, a girl who are, like, in a relationship, and then and one of them yeah. cheats on each other, or they both cheat on each other, and then they, like, yeah, come back together, and it's all like, of, oh, hello. Yeah, there's kind of, like, a relatable <laughs> like, patheticness <laughs> to Woody Allen's, like, I don't know. The characters feel a bit more real in this. These, they're, they're very Kubrick, very yeah. cold, very, very cold, detached, yeah. detached. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Mm. I wouldn't. Yeah, I can't imagine Woody Allen. And then uh, in the '80s, uh, Kubrick envisioned that he would turn it into a bit of a sex comedy, and it would star Steve Martin in the main oh. role. Which would have been ridiculous. Yeah, well, he's yeah. a huge fan of the jerk, and I said that in the episode that we talked about the jerk because it's one of my favorite films. And uh, I, I always say this: if it's good enough for Kubrick, it's good enough for me. Come on, <laughs> if anyone has any problems with that being one of my favorite films? Fuck it. Um, but then the project would be revived in like '94, and that's around the time that he hired uh, Frederick Raphael to work on the scripts and. Uh, then the film finally got off to the ground, and originally he was thinking that he would hire Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, who that were like been, cool. they were married at the time good. as well. They were a li- real couple as well. Yeah, yeah, that would have. You're supposed to be a Batman as well in the Burton one, mm. and that would have been cool because Kim Basinger would yeah. fail in that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he would go on to uh, think maybe Harrison Ford would be a good lead. And I that's think, even how I think Ford's too likable. Well, that's how. Um, well, that's. I think that was sort of the thing. He wanted it to be yeah. someone who's sort of like, like, just kind of this something about him, like just being kind of a normal, likable guy yeah. and stuff. And then, you know, Kubrick is he just wanted to take him down, yeah. <laughs> push his dream, and like have his identity completely like ripped from him. Baldwin. I'm at least I'm talking within the framework of what we have, which is yeah, Tom Cruise. I think Baldwin would have worked because Baldwin's also kind of like Tom Cruise. Like when they're on it, they're charming and stuff, but you yeah. still don't trust them. There's something yeah. about them that it, if it, maybe it's a visual thing alone, but there's just something very yeah. like they yeah. feel very of a different ilk. Well, and, the name Bill Harford, though that was. Um, concocted by Kubrick because he wanted Harrison Ford so Harrison Ford Harford Bill oh, Harford interesting <laughs> <Shuttle>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no I like Tom Cruise yeah I like no it. yeah so I think I. it was a good so good I. choice in the end but like all of Tom Cruise's best performances it's kind of based around him being a twat yeah and mm-hmm. also when he doesn't really have much uh, like of a strong footing in the story mm. when he's not yeah. like, just all running to save the president yeah well, I think that was a bit of uh, exploitation on Kubrick's part. Um, I so think they were both very willing, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Kubrick is Kubrick, and yeah, he can get away with it. So due to his unwilling t- uh, unwillingness to travel when they were making the film, Warner Brothers decided like, for his budget desires that he wanted, um, he would have to get a big star to star in the film, something Kubrick hadn't really done since uh, he had Jack Nicholson in Shining. The Shining. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't like the idea of having stars in his film he thinks they have too many opinions <laughs> and it's distracting um, yeah. but yeah he eventually met with tom cruise and tom cruise said yes immediately 
like he just was like it was a dream to be in a Kubrick film and uh that was Tom Cruise's suggestion that like hey Nicole can play my wife and Kubrick was like great yeah That's let's great. do it yeah. I want another layer when you're watching it because mm. you're watching a real couple yeah and I think he was like these a list couple here and he can exploit their marriage on screen well, basically I mean, <laughs> they, you even look at the trailers and it's just like Cruise Kidman Kid- you know? yeah like, obviously it's a big Kubrick. deal like yeah. Yeah. I've <laughs> yeah I mean that was probably the big selling point for the film it did pretty well at the box office as well it did, like yeah. yeah so yeah it's one of those things though like every um kubrick movie reviews are mixed and then it's been reevaluated. yeah yeah the years following and people love to change their mind about it it's like yeah. actually it's a masterpiece. i still feel like a lot of people don't like this film yeah yeah, yeah. I, think, I mean what's your what's your opinion you really wanted to talk about it what's, well it's my second favorite kubrick film what's I, uh, Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. No question. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it, and most people say Barry Lyndon. Yeah, you know, I love it. I think it's Scorsese's favorite as well. I, mm. I think that film's an absolute, just yeah, it's, it's everything you could want from a Kubrick film, in my opinion. Plus, I'm a yeah. big period piece person. But um, th- this one um, also, because f- Barry Lyndon is a period piece, and I'm a real sucker for those for some reason. Um, another thing I'm a re- really big sucker for. It, or, a filmmaker can almost be lazy and get my attention by just making things very like hazy mm-hmm. and dreamlike. Yeah, you know, anytime there's like bright, washed-out colors and sort of like a uh, very seemingly nonsensical kind of rhythm to things, as though it's in a dream. I'm don't know why, but um, I kind of like am sold on it. Yeah, and this is this film is that really so it just immediately just like it just hit like a certain criteria yeah. that for some reason i really love in films and yeah i don't know just it's it's i've never really been able to put my finger on exactly what it is i love about this film yeah but i just find it so enchanting and and dreamlike is yeah. the one word i would definitely yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I it's obviously very deliberate totally plausible that it could literally be a dream i mean well mm. half the movie is you debating that yeah yeah i mean also like i don't know even the way that every single character that comes across tom cruise like wants to fuck his brains out <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah. literally the two girls like, the party and then one, yeah the only the people that don't are straight dudes but then there's even and nicole like, kidman yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> nicole kidman <laughs> uh, yeah but um yeah, I don't know. There's just this, yeah, just illogical rhythm to it. Yeah. It just seems totally, but 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 yeah, there's enough ambiguity about it that it's definitely can call it into question. Yeah. Know. Well, I was uh, talking to, to Phil about this. It's like one of those films for me, like when I first saw it, I was kind of like, I was young, like, you know, 15 or 16, and that kind of like frightens me a little bit. And then uh, now that I've seen it, like, older and it's just like it has a completely different meaning and i just feel like every time you watch it it's probably going to have a different meaning um and i liked it a lot more the second viewing but i'm still not 100 percent sold on it but i think it's something i'm curious about watching again in the future and also it is long but it doesn't feel that long it It flows really nicely i I watched it a few weeks ago and i can i turned it on quite late and i saw it was like two and a half hours long and i was like completely yeah every time i watch it i I always forget, but I 
I sit there and I'm like, Jesus, this is going to mm. be, this is a really long film. Yeah, it, does, I, it flies by. I haven't been in you and I tried to rewatch this morning. I only got halfway through, but I was like genuinely annoyed that I couldn't finish it because I'm actually <laughs> yeah. really getting into it. it really yeah, different. it's weird because the, you, at least when I remember the film, usually like the whole orgy thing kind of happens right near the end. Like but right then the there's middle. like, yeah, it's bang smack in the middle. Right like the middle. there's still so much left literally afterwards. Literally the middle and then the whole thing is- yeah. Speaking of orgy, it's snack time. Snack time. It's snack time. It's snack time. Oh, what do you yeah. have at orgies? That's, yeah, little cocktail sausages. And, uh, and carrot sticks. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank That's you. Sweet. Yeah, we got it's very appropriate for uh, talking about orgy. That we have very phallic like snacks. Whoa. Yeah, because we did, weren't a sausage fest enough. We'll have veggie sausages. These are good. That is Amar. And uh, carrot sticks and hummus. I feel like we're in Triple H's uh, locker room. <laughs> please, please fill me in. <laughs> he just, and back in the day when Triple H and Stephanie McMahon were in like their McMahon Helmsley uh, power couple trip. They would always just have these backstage segments where they're just sitting around a bunch of hummus and like <laughs> vegetables and stuff. You know, can they were what like this back in like the, they were high class. Yeah, late nineties. Really? Yeah, I really don't so remember stupid. that. <laughs> I was a big fan of him yeah. at the time as well. Yeah, no yeah. recollection of that. Game over. Damn right, I'm over. Well, now you're never gonna not see it when you go back and revisit late nineties Attitude Era. Um, but yeah, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kim, and they signed open-ended contracts uh, to be in the film, and they agreed to work on the project until Stanley Kubrick released them from it, uh, however long that turned out to be, which was a very, very, very long time, because Eyes Wide Shut is in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the longest, longest continuous shoot. film shoot, 400 days. That's insane. Insane. What, back-to-back, every single day? Yeah, continuous shoot. And he yeah. would have them do, like, dozens and dozens yeah. of takes, and you fucking see it. I think the one where they argue, it, yeah, I feel like that was done so many times. They the hysterical. They look but, so bored and exhausted. And but no, but you've genuine seen so Nicole yeah. Kidman is so, like, vitriolic, you know, mm. by that point, and you feel like it's not just her acting. It's like she's so wound up. Yeah, you know that it, again. It's like I can't imagine anyone ever speaking to me that way with that kind of. I don't know. That tone. Uh, yeah, delivery. and it's but it's just so like dramatic and yeah, I don't know. Really weird. Very. <laughs> no, it's strange. You can, the way they talk is so slow and deliberate, and the it's like it mirrors the pacing of the movie. It's like the whole movie is like a. Someone said it once. I thought it sounded good. It's like a faucet dripping. Like mm-hmm. the way right. the words just sort of fall out because they're yeah. just not even trying anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, he would do these crazy things where he was just like, you know, Tom Cruise walking through the same door like 60 times. And he's just like, stay with me, Tom. I'll make you a star. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, You're fuck up with him. <laughs> he's on a roll, man. You're yeah. about to do Magnolia. That is very, yeah. that's highly amusing. Though. <laughs> so Stanley Kubrick had a fear of flying, so um, that was him wanting to stay in England, shoot the whole film in England. So they shot it at Pinewood Studios, and they did that really incredible, like detailed recreation of Greenwich Village. Um, And he went as far as sending like workmen to Manhattan to measure street widths and like 
they would know newspaper vending machine locations, all sorts of crazy shit. Problem like is, that. it still does look pretty fake. Yeah, well, the the reason <laughs> why is because deliberately, like New York. Maybe. Some of the footage was shot in New York, yeah. and then they would just project it behind Tom Cruise walking. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. that shot. <laughs> yeah. I really love that shot. It's like so in your face, yeah, fake and detached and otherworldly. But and I guess it does kind of work in that respect. Like almost like yeah, someone's conjured it up in their head, yeah, for a dream. I guess it's like we, you're floating you know, through the city, like being pulled through. Yeah. We were talking about Christmas lights and stuff, and um, you know, like we've got Christmas lights on the bar right now. It's fitting right now, but yeah. He would, he would refuse to let like his lighting guys to like light scenes and stuff, and he just wanted everything to be sort of natural. just natural, which meant there was not a lot of light. And okay. then he would just use like Christmas lights as like ambiance, and yeah. then like very soft globe lights and stuff that just would sort of add a little bit of light to the scene. Did he use the uh, the, the Linden camera, the NASA, the NASA one? I'm not sure. Maybe. That would make Not sense, sure. I guess, if he was using generally natural light. Yeah. It's, again, it's the, the thing, this film just looks incredible, I think. You know, so yeah. so beautifully shot. The, so the colour palette. Like all the all the, the places they shoot as well, like the party at the beginning. Obviously the party. Yeah, he was pretty particular about like the party scene and stuff. He picked out all those colors and all the masks. Everyone had purpose. Like every mask had a purpose. But yeah, um, the film was known for its secrecy during the production. So they divided the stars like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kimmon would go and do like uh, separate things with Stanley Kubrick. He would talk to them each separately, forbid them to, t- uh, to share notes with each other. They would do things where they would like have them do like uh, almost like 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 i don't know like therapy sessions and he would just grill them about things or they would get someone to grill them and then they wouldn't be able to go share things they even like he just wanted to like cause as much tension as possible Um, (laughs) well he banned uh tom cruise from set the day they were filming or the days they were filming because it probably took days um the the sex scene with the sailor like the yeah the the, flashback yeah and he wouldn't let Nicole Kidman tell Tom Cruise what he just he wouldn't let her like ease his tensions and stuff like by her telling him anything that happened. Uh, I sub- that is a dick. Uh, that's exactly how yeah. he's feeling. So it works. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah, I guess so. It's like trying to get your actual actors to feel. Again, it's kind of like yeah, not trusting your actors to, yeah, to be able to job. act. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it. I guess it works because it does. It always feels a little bit close to home when you watch those scenes. And as you know, um, Harvey Keitel and Jennifer Jason Lee were originally in the film, and they even were f- like filmed scenes were filmed with them. Uh, Harvey Keitel originally played uh, Victor Zeigler, who was like the guy who the Hungarian. No, the um, the he he works with Tom Cruise or something, or oh, the old uh, friend, like, the, the old friend in the, the billiard party. room that Sidney yeah, Pollack yeah. plays. They've, oh, they've, oh yeah, that that yeah. guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes guy, sense. Yeah. yeah, so um, originally he show he like bring him to the girl who's OD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so a, he's a good character. Actually. Yeah, he originally it was Harry Keitel, and um, he was like, you know, they were on set for so long, and they didn't have contracts that tied them to the film, so they had to go film other things, and they just ended up leaving him and Jennifer Jason Lee. So basically, like Sydney Pollack and Marie Richardson were hired to play their roles. Oh, so just, Jennifer Jason Lee was going to be the prostitute. Uh, well, she was playing Marion Nathanson, and I'm not entirely sure because the prostitute's name was Mandy or uh, Amanda. Mm, but that's some, the other prostitute. 
Yeah. Or is it the one who is in love with him? Oh, it might be the woman, yeah, that's in love with him. Yeah, that might be Mary and Nathan's father. Whose father dies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. But she had to go shoot Extends, so she left. Oh, oh, what a film. Did you guys hear what happened in 2019 with Eyes Wide Shut? Who was this mysterious voice behind the woman who played Mandy? Like, so there's Mandy, the woman who was in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the one in the mask had a different voice. Oh, really? Yeah, because apparently her voice was too British and she couldn't do the American accent, but they needed someone who could do that American accent. You know who ended up doing it? And it was only revealed this year. Kate Blanchett. Really? Yeah. She, it was revealed that she Just was the mysterious voice. woman voice. Yeah. Was that actually her? Yeah, apparently it was. And uh, it's funny enough because she's not really American. So That's, that's like <laughs> another thing is, uh, I find really... That, that, it's a film that like begs for like referencing almost like mm-hmm. you're doing a book where you flick a few pages back and you're like so it's, it's it's like i could swear like you sit there and you're like is that is that the woman who i did and you're like is the hair color even the same like is the voice the same like, yeah yeah and- she definitely looked like a different woman and i was totally confused until like i was doing research and stuff and i was like oh yeah but then <laughs> like the also woman. when you watch the rest of the film and the way yeah. things go down it Kind of feels like it can fit one way, it can fit the other way. Because at the end, he plugged up the whole page and revealed stuff, but then you don't actually know which part. I I find that speech fascinating, actually, because I was thinking about this earlier. You you know, where he's talking about uh, his mate who plays the piano, yeah, and he's talking about how okay, yeah, we roughed him up a little bit, and he's like, but that's a lot less than he deserved. So that's like a really threatening statement being like. We should have like basically killed him. Then like, but then show, afterwards, he's talking after being like, "Yeah, it's a show. Like we would never yeah. do anything like that." And it's, it's like, just you don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah it's really um, that's how the elite work, man. And that's what I think this film really so. taps on a lot. And we'll get into a little bit of this elite stuff yeah. in a second, but just, yeah, yeah, I, I really that that conversation's really, really. Well I love done, that Sidney Pollack was in it as well. I. Like, I, mean, I, I, I love the name, but I don't. He's a director him. mostly. All right, um, so he did like twelve. Twelve. No, that's Sidney Lamet. Right, no, he shit. did. Um, he did like Out of Africa and uh, Jeremiah Johnson, which is one of my favorite Robert Redford Robert films. Redford, that movie's fucking weird. Oh, I saw that here. I love it. I love it's it. good. <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. So he's done a lot of lot of lot of films as director. Yeah, which um was funny because he came on set and he was sort of like thinking, oh yeah, this can be easy because like I have my ideas of how things because I'm a director and I know things. And then uh, Tom Cruise was like, he was probably a little too prepared for that. Uh, yeah. For that billiard scene because uh they ended up having to do tons of takes and reshoots and stuff <laughs> kubrick was just like hey i got my own ideas yeah, don't worry i don't know why i just thought this but i think elliot gold would have been a really good casting yeah. choice for yeah that, it's about that character as well yeah. yeah yeah big like hulking yeah friendly yet insidious yeah <laughs> well we know this film has a lot of sexy orgy stuff going on and uh to, to get away with this uh filming that Kubrick did. He would watch things like Showgirls, shout out Ariane, um, Basic Instinct, and Fatal Attraction during the editing phase so he can get an idea of how they would uh, cut sex scenes and stuff and still retain an R rating. <laughs> it's a surprisingly yeah. tame movie. Though. Yeah. What? Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah. Well, yeah. there's different cuts of it. I think uh, it's, yeah. There's some really, edits and it's stuff. It's very suggestive, like yeah. a lot of point of view shots. I feel like with Kubrick, mm-hmm. everything's always so cold and clinical. 
Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. No, totally. But I think it would be quite difficult to make like a really raunchy, erotic film for. It's not bad. It's about no, the, no, the feeling behind. No, you well, also, you know, you're obsession. supposed to feel like Infidelity. alienated, like he is. He's like yeah. confused as hell and like kind of a, intimidated. And... It's such a strange journey to w- watch the movie um, because Kubrick is actively making you not empathize with the character, yeah. right? Um, because they're so cold and emotionless the way they talk and stuff. And then so you're it's more this weird spiritual engagement, and then it's more they act like an av- and Tom Cruise is basically like an avatar for you to experience this, yeah, like secret world. And literally, when it culminates in him putting on the mask and literally removing the identity, and you're in it, with yeah, him. Mm. that's a good it, that's actually quite a good observation, yeah. It's so strange. I love the, the line he sent before he goes down and had that big night, like, Oh, I should go show my face, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Well, like I said, there's a couple different versions because in America, they uh, computer generated people in the foreground of some of the sex and scenes. He, and and stuff. did he die like right what? after giving in the final cut? Yeah. Like, yeah, but they didn't, didn't use yeah. that, did they? they? I think they did more well, cuts, right? That's that's the debate. So yeah, Stanley Kubrick died after suffering a heart attack just a few days after presenting Warner Brothers with what was reported to be the final cut of the Once film. Once he finally like relaxed, he died. Yeah, and... Uh, his friends and family, though, they would said that it was just kind of out of nowhere, completely unexpected because he never seemed in poor health while he was making the film. Now, that's been debated by some other people who've said that. Well, there's a lot of conspiracy around Robert Kubrick's Bear. death. And I think that's why Rob really FBI. wants to come on. And last time we talked about Kubrick, there was a lot of conspiracy to be had as well. So hit that D.B. Cooper on. music. <laughs> Tell me, tell me. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually not as prepared for this conversation as I would, I would have liked to have been. It's actually been quite a while, um, and I didn't get a chance to go. I was going to try and do it this morning, but basically, yeah. I didn't get a chance. But I was briefly completely obsessed with eyes wide shut conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, I. If I'm being honest, I don't actually think it was um, me believing any of it, but I, I got a real kick out of watching the the PowerPoint presentation like videos. Yeah, the thirty minute so, video I think. On yeah, they they were just so funny. You know, it'd be like, and and eyes wide shut was why Stanley Kubrick was killed by the Illuminati. And he's like sort of like. You know, quick flashes of hell would yeah. be popping up, and the you know all C and I and stuff. One of my favorite things about these conspiracy theories is, um, in a lot of these videos, there seem there's, it, I can imagine there being a sort of divide in the Kubrick conspiracy fan world. Of um, a lot of the Icebox Shut people seem to maybe it was to give credit to the Illuminati conspiracies that they killed Kubrick. They they seem to bash the um, moon landing conspiracy theories as like only, hogwash. There can be only one. Yeah, almost being like, now this isn't like those crazy moon lander no, this uh, theories. This is legit. Like he learned <laughs> too much. He found out too much, and they wiped him out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Kubrick had never been to an orgy. It was shit. Uh, obviously ridiculous. not. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. These kids are definitely IVF. <laughs> Rob's talking about some conspiracy. <laughs> that's my that's my conspiracy. <laughs> Rob's talking about some conspiracy, and like I said, there's a lot of consp- conspiracy around Kubrick's stuff. There's a lot of conspiracy around his career. 
<laughs> with this film in particular, according to the screenwriter Frederick Raphael, the final edit of the film was actually completed by Sidney Pollock, apparently. Right. Don't know if that's true. I haven't really no, been able that's to quite confirm that. But isn't that's it? Interesting. Um, but there are a lot of theories on what Eyes Wide Shut is really about. Uh, perhaps the most intriguing and strange is the one that Stanley Kubrick was exposing the real life Illuminati through the film. Whoa. Um, so was Stanley Kubrick actually killed no. for attempting to blow no. the whistle <laughs> on the Illuminati? No. Look, look. I don't believe it either, it is, but it's very fun. It's absurd. Like, why? The, I get the, the appeal of all of these theories. I yeah. really do. And I love reading <laughs> about fun, them, yeah. and they're fun to entertain. But even if he was on the money, like, real, real exposés come out about stuff like this. You know, there's. Um, and. You know, no one, no one really believes it. So, wh- why, why would they go out their way to kill this really famous, really prominent director for putting in a couple of very vague, orgiastic <laughs> sort of ritualistic <laughs> scenes that don't really name or shame anyone? Why would they go out their way to kill someone? I mean, well, maybe what was left on the editing room floor is is you know implicating to you know. Clinton and Epstein yeah. or whoever the fuck. Well, we can but, we can we can get into that in a second. But I mean, let's just go into what the theory is. Maybe a listener doesn't know. Right. So it's rumored that Warner Brothers was very upset about this edit. Um, they had some friends in high places that were upset about the edit. About six days after Kubert gave the film to him, he was dead. And uh, there's a lot of theories around this thing called the Saturn Death Cult. Uh, which is basically kind of like the Illuminati on steroids dealing with space and maybe a lot of children and child okay. child trafficking and all that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff with uh, Kubrick's films and stuff in general. I mean, like we have, we talked about 2001 A Space Odyssey, like he made that. And then afterwards they were like, hey, film the moon landing for us. And then in The Shining, he was like, hey, I filmed the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, then yeah, uh, you make fucking Danny wear the sweater. Yeah, there's all sorts of little things. Yeah, fucking... we talked yeah, about that. Like also episode. making fun out of the. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the cons- all right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's also things linking to things like uh, Lolita. Was he pointing to child trafficking in Lolita? Um, I mean, his it's see, this is me, Rob. I you're you're getting too worked up over it. Just I'm, have I'm fun. Not, it's fun. I do it's have very fun. fun. With it, this is I very fun. Some of the leaps are just like so absurd. Yeah, I think like, they're stupid as well. But when you read into it and you look into it, it is fucking nuts. Like, so yeah, you never know, sure, man. But then, like, I don't know. <laughs> Check you know, this out. You, you so theorists believe that Illuminati had him killed on seventh of March, nineteen ninety nine, which is the day he died. Six hundred and sixty six, six 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 days before the first of January two thousand one. I mean, a gruesome nod to his famous film. The Illuminati (laughs) are just so damn lucky that, uh, you know, he managed to finish the film, uh, you know, just six days before that. You got to time it. You got to fucking time it. Six days, no later. (laughs) Well, otherwise, nobody's going to realize that we did it. I remember, so one of these things, and it wasn't until you mentioned the heart attack that I remembered there was this big thing in one of the videos I watched about. started going into all these sort of CIA dossiers about some guy who claimed to have assassinated people on behalf of the CIA with this dark gun that um, would hit you and dissolve in your skin and cause a heart attack and be completely untraceable. And um, yeah, so I guess they probably did kill him 
I don't know. It's just, it's just like I think it's really funny the amount of depth these people go into. Yeah, and make make these really. I don't think there's any reason that that particular guy's court case should be. I mean, there might be. I might be misremembering the video, but I don't think there's any particular reason that court case should be linked to Kubrick's death. But he's just sort of taking this these you know, really varied and unrelated information and sort of chucking them all together to prove, you know, this 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 thesis. Yeah. Well, the thing is where I'm at on this is, uh, and I know Phil's about to run off to watch yeah. Marriage Story, but where I'm at on this is, yeah, it's absurd, but uh, this whole, all these theories and all that, but at the same time, it's like, dude, this year alone, like sexual conspiracies with child's like rapists and uh, yeah. traffickers. We learn more like a Blown up. Yeah. Totally, like Jeffrey Epstein and this Prince Andrew and but Bill Clinton, like all these big wig people. I mean, this shit fucking I, exists. I, I know, so it's it, like it if does. Kubrick didn't point the finger at it, it's like, hey man, it's a hell of a fucking coincidence. Okay. coincidence yeah. so, I mean, and I know he probably didn't, and I'm sure he didn't. This, this is my he's just thing, making right? a film because I find it kind of damaging in terms of actually revealing or exposing real things to some extent. Because what these what these people do is. They really dramatize things that it's, it's like a poetic way of trying to expose what actually does go down, which is like really messed up. Yeah, it's shit, you the know. Point, but, yeah. but 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 dressing it up and giving it a mask, you know, making it this big uh, ritual. Uh, mask. Uh, <laughs> I'd watch that. Yeah. The, the yeah, movie. No, that's that's what, the movie. That's exactly what I mean. You know, by doing that, it kind of they they turn them into almost like super villains. So it's much easier, I think, for these individuals to conceptualize and then you know, make an enemy of mm. uh, what is a real problem, but it's far more complicated. Yeah. I, I, at least I think it's it's kind of like some psychological uh, ballet mm. to try and really understand what's going on. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I feel like we're getting, we're getting excited about conspiracies. I mean, it's finally you know, quiet. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's, I mean, it, I totally know what you're saying though. I mean, cause it is, there's a lot of coincidences yeah. and it's, it's, but it's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, you can put it all together, but it's never really gonna. I don't know. It's, it will never quite add up, and I always find it difficult to. Yeah, I think it's just interesting though. It's just because the Kubrick, there's like Kubrick fans, which we see here at the cinema, mm. who are just yeah. really into his films, and they respect the hell out of his films enough. It's great. They're you know mostly pretty quiet and enjoy the film, and that's the way they want to see it. It's just a nice quiet place, and. uh then there's there's the fans that create and look through his stuff and create these weird conspiracies and it's crazy how he's one of the most like i don't know it's insane like how he's the person that they they pick it's it's weird i, I think some kind of like uh author maybe like an auto effect where yeah. people is people you see it with david lynch a lot yeah, as well yeah. jesus especially because of the way he works that people really assign these kind of grand narratives to their their um, ideas, and I I just I, I mean Lynch is a good one to sort of like highlight just how absurd it can be, because literally the way he works is so nonsensical yeah. and absurd that but you have these people who swear down that every single thing if you work it out if it almost like a mathematical formula if you yeah, work yeah. it out it will all make so much sense and it will be like earth-shattering yeah. well you i know, mean that's it's like, like they trust them too much almost yeah that's conspiracy in itself and yeah. um 
and uh, that's the dangers of conspiracy because you can make anyone sort of believe if you give them enough like information. And it's funny how it can work for anyone's agenda. Like right yeah. now, the, one of the big conspiracies is going around that's so politically charged is this whole QAnon thing, and that hops in on the whole Jeffrey Epstein stuff that uh, Jeffrey Epstein was uh, being taken down by Donald Trump because this whole QAnon thing. I don't know if you've heard about it. I it's haven't a, actually. Uh, no. It's a stupid conspiracy that. Uh, basically people think that uh, that Donald Trump is the savior and he's going to take down all the the cabal, the evil left. Oh, well, um, is this some kind of like, is this some kind of religious thing? <laughs> well, I mean, they're probably all Christians, but right. uh, yeah, I mean, it's more of a just like they, they're taking down the deep state. That's sort of the whole okay. idea. And there's well, all these old mates, really crazy things that like JFK Jr. didn't die and he's like a part of it. And he's the one. It's so absurd. I don't, I don't want to go into too much because I don't want to give any more credence to this stupid yeah. conspiracy. It's so fucking dumb. Um, but, it's... you know, they're the type of people who will use Jeffrey Epstein as like a weapon to say that even though he's friends with the guy who they look up to, that they... The, their leader, their fearless leader, Donald Trump, took down Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. So it's just like it can go either way, and that's the dangers of conspiracy. It's fun to look into. It is, but it's, it's completely nonsense. Like until proven true. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, like, it's very, it's very easy to get caught up in them and find them fun. But yeah. so, so I think very easy to sort of like, I don't know. You see it with some people where they start out, and it's like you think it's quite harmless, and yeah. then it ends up. Then they legitimately start thinking that beyond Antarctica is like the promised land, mm-hmm. you know, of the, the flat earth theory kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I get it because it's really important to, yeah. I think, uh, be uh, un, like untrusting towards the media and mm-hmm. what what we're given. But at the same time, I think humans in general just have a habit of like really f- – uh, like fantasizing yeah and, and make, you know it's like it's almost like myth it's like old school myth yeah, like, yeah it's making not up just stuff enough you don't understand yeah so. it's not just enough to have like you know a, a real world conspiracy go on like it needs some kind of fantastical element otherwise yeah. it's almost not worth believing yeah you know it's like a trying to counteract boredom which I feel like a lot of Kubrick fans do, <laughs> to be honest. Like, they're just trying to counteract. It's a slow burner, man. It's yeah. a slow burner. No, but Eyes Wide Shut, though, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to soak it in conspiracy. It's always just fun bringing up conspiracy when there is conspiracy. You kind of got over this film. Yeah, but, um, but this film, it's like one of those films that, like, like I said earlier, it's going to have a different sort of meaning to you probably every time you watch it. It's going to change for you every time you watch it and there's a lot going on in it and just a lot of debate of what Kubrick was doing when he was making it yeah because I mean obviously part of the debate is that he was you know showcasing the Illuminati for everyone but I mean that's just a conspiracy but also there's him just talking about like relationships and like it's one of that's maybe one of the most like personal and deep relationship films ever made yeah I think I think in, in, in many senses yeah because it's like a total view into and I, I would say it makes I would say Tom Cruise is the protagonist he's he's us in this film the audience and um it is kind of a deep dive into his like jealousy and insecurities and mm. that's the thing yeah they, all these conversations around the film often get focused on that yeah they, they, they arguably like it, it, it undermines it as a work of art 
you know, which is yeah. definitely what it is. I, I, I personally think, you know. Yeah, I well, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily will call like obviously just by standard that he's the lead lead actor that Tom Cruise is like the protagonist for sure. But like at the same time, you know, I absolutely love that there's the side to uh, Nicole Kidman where she basically says like, you know, fuck you. And that stupid thing that you're positing that only like men have these sort of like feelings and stuff. And she like sets the whole film off that like, Hey, women can have desires and needs and, and uh you know fantasies about like screwing around on their uh, husband yeah. as well which is like but that's great you know, that's, it's, it's so great because um it almost well i guess we actually see that kind of undermined already at the party scene with the really really charming hungarian dude yeah um but yeah i just yeah it really it it, it rocks the whole film big time just completely sends tom cruise into meltdown mode yeah and, yeah yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, a great, it's, it's a great. It's funny how that whole thing works as well because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I wonder how it would have, how this film would have worked. It's funny when you think about like the way certain people send a story, you know, based on their gender and stuff and the, their minds and how their mind works. And it's just like you, like if a woman had directed this, it could have been a completely different type of story because mm-hmm. you have that old jealousy side of things, which I think guys, it's, it's a shame that we don't have like Ariane or Caroline on to yeah, talk about yeah. this. Cause I would love to hear like the different perspective of it from a woman's perspective, but like just having like, you know, it's such a film of jealousy. Like it's ridiculously steeped in jealousy. This film, like, a lot of Tom Cruise's like his every little action that he makes in the film is based off of that just feeling jealous about like his wife going off and like you know having this sort of like fantasy and it's just eating him up inside. Yeah, he kind of does the same thing, but it's okay because he's a guy. You know? Yeah, it's like and it's almost like yeah, because I, f- I think he tries to portray at least the film kind of. I guess you get like an inkling that maybe he entertains or mm-hmm. actually does fuck around. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's almost like a really reactionary thing, which I think is supposed to maybe trick us into thinking that this is just a reaction. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, feel, I feel like, yeah, it's probably something yeah. he does. And he, but this is the justification for it because yeah. she fantasized about doing yeah, it. Yeah. Which, and, that, and that almost the appropriate reaction is to then go and actually attempt yeah yeah. (laughs) because he kind of bumbles his way through it which is pretty hilarious that's again i think that that really lends to that notion that it's it's a dream yeah it's almost totally it's like the world that is constantly appearing in front of tom cruise is almost manifesting itself in like a reaction to his psychological psychological state yeah which kind of really only happens in dreams mm-hmm. i guess yeah and i mean that whole scene where he's walking through the city and he's like um he starts well bef- when he finds the newspaper and the newspaper oh, yeah, has a yeah. clipping but before that he's getting kind of chased by this guy or so he thinks exactly and there's that creepy guy just staring at him and then just like he just thinks he's being followed yeah every every, of, oh. every every step there's like an appropriate reaction you know to 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 where he's at you know yeah. every single step of the way it's like mm-hmm. oh let's throw this your way because it seems an, an appropriate yeah. thing i mean the film is just like a, a story of jealousy and uh you know that's, that's not saying it, it gets better as you go and, yeah get, 
older, they can keep into a relationship. You understand that feeling, yeah, even if to resonate more. Yeah, even if it's in the most abstract terms in that film. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be. This is something I've thought about a lot, even in my own life. Just that, that kind of notion of um, maybe in the way that monogamy can be quite unhealthy in 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 regards to people's ability to deal with their partners desires mm-hmm. and like almost to trick yourself into pretending that they're not there which i think is incredibly unhealthy yeah and, yeah. and that, that again it examines that in a really really interesting way you know like tom cruise's the look on his face when she's like you know i've thought about fucking other people and the yeah. look on his face is like what horror yeah and he's like, trying to be honest <laughs> with her living or as much as he thinks he can be and then it yeah, he doesn't even say anything. Yeah, he gets he's caught lying. By the he's mm. lying. What? What is it? Oh, That's just not how really women think. Good bit. Yeah. There's a really good bit in it where, it, and she like laughs her head off when he says it. But he does this thing with his hand, and he points at her because, like, because I love you or something yeah, like that. Because you are my she, wife. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's like, and she. He, she's sort of like him trusting her. She said, like, her. "Oh, you're so sure of yourself," and he's like, "No, I'm sure about you." And she oh, just does like, yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah, about that's you. It. And yeah. yeah, that's such a good that moment. Feels like a so total, full of shit. like a <laughs> uh, romance movie that Tom Cruise would have like delivered in like one of his like yeah, but it would have worked. It would have worked. Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Totally exactly. Kubrick, like uh, he knew what he was doing. Really beat that yeah. classic Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The delivery out of him, so you actually get yeah. a really decent fucking performance. Yeah, well, that's no, what I was talking about at the beginning of our discussion of uh, Eyes Wide Shut, where I was talking about like he would, he was sort of messing with Tom Cruise, like picking on him a little bit. Like, uh, you know, with the the whole, like, rumors of, you know, him being homosexual, which was always floating around, and he yeah. just sort of picked at it. He picked at his height, which is another thing, where they were calling him short and stuff. And But that's the thing. Tom, Tom Cruise, directors can get a really good performance out of Tom Cruise when they understand him as a person, I find. Yeah. Like, because I don't, I don't think he's an innately great actor. Mm. He's probably a better stuntman than he is actor. <laughs> If that's to be believed, you know, I've got my own conspiracy theories on that one. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like a PTA in Magnolia. Yeah. You know, it's like he has a, he really understands arguably, you know, Tom Cruise's flaws and appeal Mm -hmm. so well that they play on it and they cast him almost like pitch perfectly. Yeah. You know, and um, it's it's kind of, I think PTA is a really good eye for that. He did the same thing with Adam Sandler as well in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, Kubrick seems to really have a sense of his subject. Yeah, you know, you know, um, in a very good way. Actually. Well, speaking of PTA, there's a little fun yeah. fact here. Um, the set was pretty secretive; it was pretty closed off. Uh, Kubrick runs his films like that, and he keeps a lot of people off set. There was a photo that appeared of uh, Tom Cruise's that was taken by a photographer that somehow snuck on and saw what was going on, and uh, he was taking this photo with an old man. And it was an old hermit-looking man, and he wasn't sure who that guy was. But, hey, you got superstar A-list Tom Cruise in this photo. Turns out that photo was Stanley Kubrick, and then after that, he was just, like, closing the set down. But one person that did make it onto the set was Paul Thomas Anderson. And that's where he agreed to get Tom Cruise on Magnolia. Was that something to do with Hard Eight? I seem to remember reading that maybe it was like Kubrick was a fan of Hard Eight or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And not Boogie Nights. <laughs> Kubrick had a pretty well, eclectic when taste. When was Boogie Nights? Before that. Was it? Yeah. When's Oswald Chart? I thought it was like 98. 99. And, and Magnolia 2000. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, between. over a year. <laughs> but yeah, he might have been a fan of Boogie Nights, yeah. I can see him liking Hot Eight. if not. Yeah. 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 Who, I, yeah, I don't He's like, oh, I can make a porno flick. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> we can start closing up. Um, we've been going at it for a bit. Uh, just final final thoughts, Rob. Sell people on coming to see this film. Um, You might not like it, to yeah. be fair. A lot of fair people enough. don't seem to, but I, it's totally worth figuring that out for yourself you know it's yeah. a very it's a it's a meditative slow you know hazy kind of latter day masterpiece of you know arguably one of cinema's best mm-hmm. and i think it's understated but amazing I don't yeah know. i've got a lot of respect for this film you got a lot of time for it yeah i do cool you ain't got a lot of time for that conspiracy anymore it seems uh, you know <laughs> yeah, i'm sure i'll i'm sure i'll get back into it at some yeah. point <laughs> Eyes Wide Shot, it screens daily here from Friday, um, the 29th of November. It's going to be here almost every day. I think we did pull one of the screenings, but it's here every other day. Um, and it's a new restoration thanks to Park Circus. And uh, like the Dr. Strangelog screening that we did earlier this year, uh, the film's going to be accompanied by a documentary short before the film. It's called Never Just a Dream, Stanley Kubrick and Eyes Wide Shot. Uh, Stanley Kubrick looked for decades for a way to tell the story Eyes Wide Shot before finally making it. Then, within days of completing the film, he died suddenly. Never Just a Dream, Stanley Kubrick and Eyes Wide Shut is a short documentary in which those who knew uh, Kubrick best tell the story of the project and recall this final chapter of his career in moving detail. So it's probably way better than this podcast. <laughs> so come uh, see I it, it be and uh, watch that. A weird movie for him to go out on. I mean, I now, it. And, no, me too. But now that I watch it, I feel like it's the most literal example or definition of what he was trying to do in his relationship with the audience mm. yeah maybe so yeah i think yeah it's, it's an appropriate way for him to bow yeah, out exactly. you know drenched in controversy and <laughs> yeah mixed yeah. reviews and yeah. yeah i mean that's his career in a nutshell isn't it yeah so it's kind it of is. fitting you know he could have had ai as his final film you know, and then Spielberg would go pick it I up. I yeah. hate this. Spielberg Actually, he passed. He was a worthy. Yeah, because he, he refers well, he to gave himself it to him. as the... he gave it to him. Oh, Cooper like gave they, it to him. They're such different filmmakers. He had AI. I won't, I won't have that. <laughs> he know, had AI, and Spielberg. he was going to do it, and then he gave it to Spielberg. You know and then Spielberg couldn't make it until after. I feel like Spielberg didn't get pulled legs. off. Pulled off what. Um, Salieri tries to do an Amadeus. You know, take all the credit. <laughs> I feel like he he killed uh, he killed Kubrick. <laughs> Took his final film and you like know started, and made started referring himself as the uh, was it a protege? <laughs> he he. So I've seen documentaries where it comes up like Stanley Kubrick protege, like Steven Spielberg. Like, hey man, Fuck off. don't be don't don't do this. <laughs> Earlier we were talking about how lovely Hook is. <laughs> Hook is great. Just, and AI is such like a mid tier Spielberg movie Spielberg anyway. It doesn't do anything. Spielberg is probably, I like AI though. I think it's good. No, it's AI is it's good. probably like one of the, you know. It's I that. always forget when I'm like naming Spielberg movie and I forget yeah. that. For well, movie. I mean, because Spielberg's done so many films. But yeah. okay, listeners out there, you 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 <laughs> tell us if you like AI or, AI or not. Yeah. I don't care if you like it or not. It's like so, you know, um, Rob as far as I don't, I don't care. I don't care personally. Yeah. But I do want to hear your opinions. So let us know if you enjoyed AI. And uh, we can stick it to Rob. He's not on Twitter. So you can, you can, you can uh, say what you like. Yeah, do it in person. Do it in person. <laughs> <laughs> but we are on Twitter at the PCC podcast. And you can find me at tall for all, T-A-L-L, the number four A-L-L. 
And uh, if you want to send an email, that's uh, podcast at princechirlcinema.com. I asked last week for people to send a fuck you to me, and I got one from a cat. So oh, nice. you never know what you're going to get in your email that's these cool. days, ladies and gents. And uh, Phil, uh, you're far away sad, even though yep. you don't seem to really care if people I don't know that. Care, no. You're on Instagram as well, right? Dogs yeah. I've met. Dog and I met. Yeah. There's all dog it's photos. Exclusively dogs. Are, yeah. Yeah. And I have a dog now. And then... Rob, do you want to link people to any of your goings on and stuff? You, yeah, like, you um, still working on your film website? Yeah, well, it's out now. Yeah, uh, the film website got published. It's up now. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I can't remember the URL, which is like <laughs> twenty-four incredibly. frames per second. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I can't, twenty-four you know, frames per second. It's quite yeah. a mouthful, and then I can't yeah. remember what. Well, that's cool. Um, I'll find it. Can, maybe you can. I'll find it. And I'll link it. We'll find it. But yeah, yeah um, there's a website now, and the Instagram and Facebook account is still going on, and yeah, it's just for place for reviews and. Are you taking submissions? From yes, people? we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got an email, um, a link to the Facebook, probably the Instagram as well, and on the uh, website. Uh, and yeah, if you've got any good ideas, you want to you want to get published or anything. I mean, it's small, but I guess contrib- contributors and stuff like that are how, you know, how we and possibly you can get heard more. So, yeah, yeah we're totally up for taking submissions. Please, please uh, email the appropriate URL, <laughs> which will be on there. Yeah, I'll link <laughs> that this, in with yeah, the episode. If so if you want to find us on Twitter and uh, probably Facebook as well, uh, those links will exist and uh, we'll we'll get that out there for everyone. Thank you very much. Yeah, this has been our episode here. It's been 30. Let's do 30 more, guys. Yeah, we're halfway through. Let's keep doing it. I can't wait until I'm a geriatric podcaster in 60 episodes. (laughs) I mean, it's the perfect job. You just have to sit down and talk. Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) sweet. Fucking old people love that shit. I've lost lost my marbles. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Well, thanks everyone for listening. We love you guys. Just give us some subscribes and uh, likes and just retweet our shit. Tell your friends, tell your favorite podcasters that uh, you like our podcast a lot. And I mean, they'll be like, who who cares? (laughs) Okay, you can do that. And uh, yeah, Um, we love you. And bye-bye. Goodbye and good luck.